This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. It was, it, we, we test everything before. We, we really test it. And, and I knew we were in trouble when Marcus came past me over there and he just looks at me and he gives the prayer sign. So, so and this microphone's totally fine. We're all good. So, you know, joy, joy is such a great topic to talk about because, you know, most people, if you ask most people, all right, what's the primary quality of religious people? Most of the time, they're not going to say joy. Most of the time, they're going to say judgmental or this or that or the other thing. But it's important to look at joy within a religious context. Now, the, the basis of this whole series comes down to the prayer cards we had around Christmas. For those of you who don't know, we have a four-week Advent series here. And every day, we, every Sunday, we fill out prayer cards. And the families turn them in and then I pray over them during the week. Number one thing families were praying for was to have more joy in their family. Isn't that interesting? Number one thing families were praying for was to have more joy in their family. And so our hope is today to maybe talk about how we can embrace joy in a, in a more meaningful way and, and, and how can God kind of give us to see it. And the, and the point is, will be how do we open our eyes to the joy that's already there? It's not going to be about how do you schedule the next vacation to Walt Disney. It's going to be stuff that's much smaller. Could I tell you a quick moment of joy this morning? So, so this morning, I always go out here and I just kind of watch the people who show up late to church, which is about half the congregation. But I, but I, but I watched them out this window and I saw somebody come out of, come out of their car. little sunshine dance out there. And that's just a little moment of joy. And I feel like, how do we open our eyes to that? Because that actually is a God-given moment. And yet our attentiveness goes to a lot of other things that we think God is doing that are actually a lot darker and maybe not have anything to do with God per se, are held by God, obviously, but are not as representative of what God really desires for us. It's just simple moments like that. So I want to start just with this, with this basic, basic, basic idea from the Bible. And it's, it's, it comes back to the first day of creation. And it, you know, I feel like we could preach on the first day of creation many, many times because it's so powerful. So in the Bible, there's this old poetic story. It's clearly a myth. It's not saying literally seven days. It's a mythological seven days. About seven days of how we grow and God grows and the world grows. And it starts out with this beautiful line from Genesis 1. And God said, let there be light. And I'm going to have you say light here in a minute when I point to you. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. He separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and morning and there was the first day. I love that idea of that, that the first thing created was light. The first thing God spoke into existence was light. The first thing God blesses is light. And it's so easy, I think, to, in our lives to, to think of that light as being, well, that will be when I have an intellectual understanding of something. It's not really how it works. What it's talking about here 
from a poetic sense is when we get the good and truth is actually transcendent. In other words, it's actually something that's above. And from there, we experience love. And this is from New Church Theology. Love and its resulting joy. Love and its resulting joy. So what turns the light switch on then? It's not, as you might think, like, oh, I finally get that intellectual. It's not some intellectual thing. It's love. It's love. Story from the weekend. Doing a wedding. Parents are joining us for a blessing. And these parents are standing behind their kids. And uh, this is at a wedding ceremony, a little blessing. Parents are standing behind their kids. And, and uh, kids are holding their hands. These are kids. These are 30-year-olds. Uh, you know, and, and I'm touching the hands of the parents. And I'm, I'm talking about, like, how these hands, these hands were the first hands that ever held these kids. First hands that ever held these kids. These hands that have been looking for this moment for decades, maybe. And then I grabbed the couple's hands and he said, these are the hands that will bring you home. These are the hands that will bring you home. Those parents and that couple is where they are because the light went on, but it wasn't necessarily just a purely intellectual light. Can I get an amen on that one? What the light went on when they fell in love. Let me tell you again, being a new grandpa, the second you see that grandbaby, you're in love. The light goes on when we fall in love. If we wait around to understand life in some great big intellectual construct waiting for that light to go on, I think we're going to be waiting a long time. I know a lot less today than I did when I was in my 20s. Anyone else like that? You know? Thank you, Lord. (laughs) But I do feel like the light is turned on in a way I couldn't imagine. That I would have a very hard time putting words to. So with that light and that joy, I want to give you a definition of joy here. And if you have your camera, I tell you to take a picture of this. I think this is a beautiful definition, a one that just packs a lot of sort of theological punch to it and and also gives us some ways to move forward with it. It's this. Joy is the, please say that F word there. Joy is the fruitful seeing of genuine good. So I love that. Joy is the fruitful seeing of genuine good. So think of the example. We can see lots of things that bring us joy. And I would say probably bring us more happiness than joy. But we can just see them like how many of us in here like fireworks, like to see fireworks go off? Pretty cool. I, no one has ever come up to me and said, Chuck, I saw the fireworks. My life has changed. I mean, it's, no, they're, they're entertaining. They're, they're nice. They're loud. They're great after a picnic. But they're probably not changing a lot of lives out there. So, so joy is more of a fruitful scene. We're going to have many examples of that, by the way, you know, through the service today. But, but it's a fruitful scene. It's, it's, a, it's a scene that helps you to, to kind of move forward to the next thing. It's like when I'm looking at pictures from the week, and I'm realizing that as I'm breaking bread with a group of people at Bertucci's, there's another group traveling down to, to break bread with a group of families who are struggling with cancer. That, to me, is fruitful scene. Like, and it's, it's not like... 
I'm doing the seeing. It's just I get to witness what God is doing in that moment. That's fruitful seeing. And then the other part of it, I think, that is so important, especially from new church, is we see what is genuinely good. A little bit of a tangent here. In this denomination, we believe what we are to serve is the neighbor. In other words, serve other people. If you're confused who that is, it's the person you're sitting beside. It's anyone who is in your orbit. And if your orbit's too small, you just got to expand the orbit and serve more there too. And what is it that we serve in the neighbor, in that other person? Well, we're clearly, we're clearly commanded to serve the genuine good in that neighbor. This is big. See, so much of the time, I, I think, well, what I really have to serve them with is my opinions. <laughs> my judgments about how they should live their life. That would be really serving them. I got a whole series coming up on that, folks, so just so you know. No! Can we all say no? No, no, no. no. It's, that's not what we do. What we do is we actually serve the genuine good. So that means, ready for this, this is the kicker that we miss. I have to get close enough to you to know what your genuine good is. I can judge faults a million miles away. I can judge faults by how you talk to your kids at Walmart. And I don't even know you. But can you draw close enough, and this includes your family, can you draw close enough to actually serve the genuine good that's there? You have to know what that, do you know what the genuine good is in the people who are in your circle? And that's not sort of a threatening, like, do you know? That's just saying, like, do you know? Because it's, it's an adventure of discovery. You get to discover that. And as you discover that, it gives them permission to do that. Can you sense the joy? <laughs> when we start to serve that in other people, we start to discover it in other people. We inevitably start to discover it in ourselves. And joy then becomes the obvious byproduct of all of that. A beautiful thing. And it's not about seeing this as some like esoteric thing detached from this life. One of the things I most enjoy preaching at New Church Live, preaching about what we deeply hold true, is that it's a very grounded, grounded view. Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it really well. He said, we need to learn to live with both feet in the natural world and both feet in the spiritual world at the same time. Here's a, just a really simple quote that I think packs a lot of punch. Heaven does not consist in altitude. That's really good. Heaven does not consist in altitude. It's not about this thing that's way out there. It's about how do we boil it down and start to experience joy right here, right now, more, far more immediate, not as an altitude thing. As the band comes out, I want you to think about what that means. Because if we believe in heaven as altitude, it means my job is to escape from this life. Well, how am I going to see the genuine good in other people? How am I going to serve? How are days like last week going to happen if all we're interested in is an escape? Christianity is not about the art of escape. 
It's about the art of love and about the art of engagement. So, you know, like, like life, 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 T.S. Eliot. In the still point of the turning of the world, there's the dance. And there's only the dance. And that dance, so much of it is joy. And, and, and so much of it is, are we willing to see that? And, and this is important, folks. I'm going to use a word here that's important. Are we willing to accept the obligation? Not the suggestion, the obligation to see those moments of joy, to see those moments of joy. One of the most famous Catholic writers and social organizers and social justice organizers of all time was Dorothy Day. And she considered this so important that she called it, please say that top phrase with me, the duty of delight. She said, literally, you have a duty to delight. And it's not sort of a hedonistic delight. She's talking about fruitful seeing into the genuine good of others. Like delighting in that genuine good. And let me tell you, I've known no one who doesn't have it. Many, many people have it pretty well hidden. But I can tell you, you you spend enough time, enough time, you will see it. But you have to take on the obligation of the duty of delight to find it. And I think so much of the time we hear duty of delight, and that means like, whoo, great, we get to watch football all afternoon. That's nice, that's good, that's, that's recreational, but that's not the duty of delight. The duty of delight has this component of engagement to it, where we find those micro moments of joy within that engagement. And, and life will give us these little moments, right? And we can kind of gloss over them at a million miles per hour as we're trying to get onto the next thing on Facebook. Or we can stop for a minute and see. See the miracle and feel the joy. Can I show you an example? Take a look at this video. Who are these people? Tell them happy birthday. Happy where we get to see those little obligations that we have and to start to see those and experience those. And it's powerful. And, and again, like, like see that as an obligation. Here's a piece from New Church. 
This goes back to our deepest core, which is joy. Our deepest core, with it, which is joy. That's interesting, right? That buried within all of us is joy. And of course, and I don't want to overstate it, like for, I realize that for a, a sizable percentage of you here today, with broken hearts, that is almost impossible to believe because it's not accessible at this moment. And this is not to say that your job is to like work at it harder to make it accessible. It's to just know that those moments are there And maybe your prayer can just be this. Not let me work harder, Lord. But Lord, help me to see. Not make me work harder, Lord. But help me to see. I think even if that is said through through tears, we start to get it more and more. And we see so much of this this, this understanding of the light and dark of life, the, the inevitable light and dark, but the underlying joy, we see that in Scripture again and again. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice. Now, by the way, that word rejoice, I say this a lot, but we have some first-time people. The word rejoice actually could have been translated into the Greek, could have been translated thrive. So we'll see you again, and you will thrive And no one will take away, please say the J word there, no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I say to you, my father will give you whatever you ask in his name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Your joy will be complete. Those are are beautiful ideas, Like, like, What Christ is asking us to think about is not partial joy, but fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. Last week, I want to come back to this again. Last week, a mom stood on this stage who lost her child in a random shooting. Should she have had any joy in her life in a certain sense? Yes or no? No. No. It was, it was interesting, you know, Scarlett said striking the, the superhero pose, right, the courage pose. When we were back there waiting before, literally, I saw her do this. She struck her superhero pose. I thought she was just stretching her back until she came out here and said it. But that, that miracle that's right there, I mean, I, I really do think that is a miracle. People who, who really understand that, that life has light and dark and that God's desire is not for partial joy but fullness of joy. Now, it's not a fullness of joy that doesn't grieve. She said she cries every day for the loss of her son. But the default, the rock that her life is built on, clearly a rock that is around joy. It's based on joy, that's centered on joy. We see this beautiful line in the Psalms, too. Weeping may remain for the night, but joy comes with the morning. I think that's just a great one to think of for resilience. 
Yeah, we may be in a time where it's just a time of grieving and everything has its time, but there will be time for joy. There will definitely be time for joy. So this is the takeaway I ask you folks to think about. Think about how you want more joy in your family. And and don't necessarily think about it. Well, I think more joy looks like we'll save up for a Disney vacation. If you want to, go wild. But maybe try to think smaller than that. Maybe try to think of the practice of seeing. The moments that are already present in your family. Maybe think of the discipline of that family member who just pushes every single button. Could I get an amen on that one? (laughs) Can you just for a moment work to fruitfully see the genuine good that is in them and honor that? Maybe just experience a moment of joy. I mean, just imagine a car ride back instead of it being filled with mom, He's touching me. Or mom, she's touching me. Three of your kids did that game, right? And instead of having that be the debate in the car, just have a time where you share what you see as genuine good in each other. What's the genuine good you see in each other as a family? Because you're uniquely positioned to see it. And I think there's a call here. A huge call. Your life is requesting the honor of your presence. You know how wedding invitations, we request the honor of your presence? Your life is requesting the honor of your presence. And we start to do those things which I just mentioned. I feel like we start to bring our presence into the world. Because our egos, which are all our opinions and our judgments about those we love, they start to be left behind as we start to engage in looking at the genuine good one in another. And our challenge, of course, is our ceaseless withholding our ceaseless holding back. Something hell just wants us to do. Not something God asks of us. Can I close with a final story? It's a beautiful story. Beautiful story about joy, about the duty of delight, about the obligation around the duty of delight, around fruitful seeing, about what's genuinely good. And it was simple. It's a story that comes out, and I quote this guy all the time because he's so good. No, that is not actually me. That is Father Greg Boyle. And I was reading a story from Father Greg, and I'm going to come over onto this carpet here to tell it. It's reading a story about Father Greg who was driving, and Father Greg, as many of you know, uh, he works with gang members out in the Los Angeles area. He calls them homies. Largest gang intervention program in the country. So he picks up this homie that he had worked with years and years and years and years before, and he'd lost track of him. And he's really clear, like, if you lose track of them, it's usually good news. It's usually good news. And he picks him up, and he's sitting by his friend in the car, and his friend is telling him about his life. What he says is, he says, Father Greg, this is how we have dinner. Now, the backstory to this, how they have dinner, is that this young man who had spent his, his formative years as essentially as a gangster, as a criminal. Father Greg had helped him get straight. He'd ended up getting married, getting a job. Now he has two sons. Married, 
a job in two sides. Now, the only reason gangs exist is they exist because of the lethal absence of hope. Gangs exist because of the lethal absence of hope. This man had given that up. And he'd found joy. He'd learned to fruitfully see. He'd learned those words we talked about with Christ about what fullness of joy is, a fullness of joy that nothing takes away. Nothing. And this is how he has dinner. He says, Father Greg, all I do is I sit and I don't eat. I watch my sons eat first, along with my wife. And of course, she gives me a hard time and wants me to eat, but I'm like, nope. I just want to watch. I just want to experience joy. And just for a minute, I want to be in that place, knowing God. See, nothing fancy there. Can you feel his joy? Is it palpable to you? I mean, just imagine feeling so much joy and gratitude in this simple, simple little way that even watching your kids eat is joyful. By the way, for a lot of us, watching kids eat is not joyful. (laughs) But he found joy there. Step back over here. This was someone who took on the idea that life was requesting his presence. He moved through the fear, he moved through the anxiety, he moved through all that stuff and did that. Imagine a week where we just practiced that. The art of joy, and that's what I'm asking you to do. Practice the art of joy. And if you do, you're going to find it a really good week. Can I get an amen? Amen. So that closes today's service. I'd ask you, warmly, warmly invite you to join us next week as we look at the topic of belonging. Like so many of us feel like we didn't belong to our families or we were the awkward one out or, or whatever. And how do we create families that actually have belonging? It's a great service, by the way, to invite a friend to. Because I think it's sort of a universal, universal struggle that we all go through. So with that, folks, have a great week. Thank you. Find joy. See the genuine good. And remember, who gets to choose? And it's always you. Please join me now in a prayer. I'm going to say a prayer, then you have the opportunity to say the Lord's Prayer as you know it, or to have a moment of quiet reflection, or simply say your own prayer. So please join me. Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. And Lord, help us to reach out and understand more and more about joy. True joy. The joy, Lord, that comes with the peace that passes understanding. The joy that is not quarter or half or partial. But the fullness of joy, a fullness of joy that becomes our bedrock. Underneath it all. That can't be shaken even though sometimes it's not seen. Give us, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, 
words to speak and a heart to understand. Heaven, not as altitude, but heaven as joy chosen today. Bless this congregation, Lord. What an amazing group. Hold them this week. Guide them. As always, bring them home. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 